Well, good morning, church. I was going to say it's good to be back, but it is cloudy here. And where I was, it was sunny. So here's what I did miss. I missed you. So it's always good to be back to my church family. Uh, It was uh, fun in the sense that um, we did run into Patty Krieger in the middle of nowhere, uh, which was pretty awesome. And then I ran into um, my old college roommate that I haven't seen in (coughs) 30 years. And... um, 33 years, wow. Um, so anyway, um, it was fun to sit and talk with him forever. And so it was, it was, it was very enjoyable. Um, but it's always good to be back and be with my, my church family. And so, hey, grab your Bibles. We're on a journey that we've been talking about, a journey with God. And um, we've, we've talked about how uh, we start slow and steady. God's Word is our foundation. Our mighty God is an incredible guide who we trust. And last week, Brian did a really good job in illustrating God's word, reminding us this is not our home. It just isn't. And as we move through life, uh, uh, don't get too comfortable here in your spiritual journey, I believe is what he had, he had preached on and he did well. And as, as I listened to the message, I was thinking about this. You know, Again, um, our home, our eternal home is in the presence of God. And... You know, some of us, um, we've lost loved ones. Those who uh, know, had a relationship with Jesus Christ and we, we miss them. But here's something to think about. They beat us home. I mean, they're, they're, they're home. And we get jealous of that. I mean, it, it hurts, right? Because we miss people. But here's the thing. They're home. Do you think they're complaining? Not one bit. They are in the presence of God, worshiping Him. And we will miss them, but they are home. And until the day when we reach our final destination uh, and being in the presence of God, we're on a journey. We are on a journey. And uh, this journey that we are on is to grow in our faith, to become more like Christ. Matter of fact, in Scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says that we'll be more like His glorious image. So that's part of our journey, and, and we don't journey alone, and we need each other on this journey to encourage one another. Because um, if we're going to become like Christ, we're going to shine His light, it is going to be challenging on our own. So uh, this morning, there's really sort of a, a pickup from last week, what Brian was saying, and, and, and what I want to say is this. It's a really simple phrase, but just don't give up. Don't give up. You've maybe heard that from me before. We're going to hear it illustrated differently in Scripture today. So if you can grab your Bibles, you're going to open them up to the book of Jeremiah. And as you are turning to the book of Jeremiah, um, you know I, I, I enjoy learning things about wildlife. I like the outdoor stuff. And in preparation for this message, I was reading up on the migration of hummingbirds. How's that? Huh? It's like, what does this have to do with the sermon? Just hang with me on this one, okay? Um, I learned that hummingbirds follow the, the same path or fly zone when they've made their first trip. It's, it's like the same, same, same direction. And again, as I was reading about this, trying to understand this, I thought, okay, that's a little weird. But then I thought, well, wait, some of us do the same thing. I'm heading to the cottage again. I'm coming back. I'm heading to the cottage again. It's like we sort of migrate like hummingbirds at times. And here's the other thing about their migration is, is when they fly in these common uh, fly zones, they, they, they do it alone. Now, there, there's other birds that are flying, hummingbirds that are flying with them, but they don't do it like in a flock. The best way to illustrate this is like looking at a freeway and seeing all these cars all going in the same direction, but they're all going to their other homes. They're not going to one home. 
And that, that's the hummingbird. Um, while migrating, they will fly during the day, sleep at night. But then I read about the ruby-throated hummingbird who flies over the Gulf of Mexico uh, at times. And oil rig workers and fishermen about a couple hundred miles off the coast have spotted these hummingbirds thinking that's a long distance, 450 miles across the Gulf, probably with 20-mile-per-hour headwinds. They are not sleeping during the night. They are just flying straight through, which, you know, as I'm reading this, I was thinking, well, they're, they're driving hard, they're driving fast, wanting to get to their breeding ground is where they're heading. But then as I read this, I found out, oh, well, the next thing I learned about was the male arrives three weeks early, which makes sense. Like the guy's like, I want to get there before she does, right? Uh, I can't wait for her. And it's like, that's the hummingbird. It's like, mm, okay, now wait until this next thing I learned about him. When, before they start their migration, they will gain 25 to 40% of their body weight eating insects and whatever else they can find to load up. So that's like me putting on 75 pounds before I go on vacation. That's just odd. That's just weird, right? But then again, if I'm going to fly 450, mi- or, you know, 450 miles, I might expend a lot of that, right? So now you're all sitting there going, what does this have to do with Scripture? All right, hang with me. The next interesting thing about a hummingbird is this. Nobody knows why they do it. Nobody knows why they go the way they go, the pattern that they fly. Nobody knows. Pick any scientist you want. They can come up with some, some possibilities, but they just don't know. They can't answer that. The hummingbird's just like, I'm just doing it because I know it's the right thing to do, right? And here's the thing. On your spiritual journey right now, you're like the hummingbird. You are in, heading in a direction. You know it's the right thing to do. And everybody else around you is going to be questioning you like, why are they doing that? I, I don't understand why you Christians do what you do. Journey the way you journey with Jesus. It doesn't make sense to us. I know you do it. I just don't know why you do it. And it's like, yep, we're like the hummingbird. We just know we're supposed to go that way, right? But you don't have to go home and eat 20 to 5 to 40%, okay? You don't need to do that. But in your Bibles... Again, that's not the main point of the message, but I want that to stick for a little bit, okay? In your Bible, Jeremiah chapter 8, starting verse 4. It says this. Jeremiah, say to the people, this is what the Lord says. When people fall down, don't they get up again? When they discover they're on the wrong road, don't they turn back? Then why do these people stay on self-destructive path? Why do the people of Jerusalem refuse to turn back? They cling tightly to their lies and will not turn around. Verse 6. I listen to their conversations and I don't hear a word of truth. If anyone sorry, is anyone sorry for doing wrong? Does anyone say, what a terrible thing I've done? No. They're all running down the path of sin as swiftly as a horse galloping for battle. Even the stork flies across the sky, knows the time of her migration, as do the turtle dove, the swallow, and the crane. They all return at the proper time each year. Ah, there's the migration thing right there, right? Three quick observations. When I'm reading through this, here's one of the first things. Our journey requires determination or grit. See, here's the thing. Answer this for me. When you fall down, what should you do? Get up. When you're going in the wrong direction, what should you do? 
Turn around. Yep, good, going back in the right direction. It is so simple. And in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 4, God asks those two questions. There should be simple answers, right? The wise person, a person with determination and resolve and grit says, well, if I fall down, I get up. If I'm going the wrong direction, I turn around and I get going back the right way, right? But spiritually, we tend to not do that. Spiritually, when we trip and fall and we make a mistake, we're like, I might as well just keep living this way. Or spiritually, sometimes we're going in the wrong direction. We know better, but we just keep going in the wrong direction. If you were to walk outside any store, pick anyone you want, you, you, you trip over a curb or whatever, and you fall down, let's say, outside Walmart or somewhere, and, and you just, you're like, I don't know, let's pick a different place. Let's, let's pick outside Red Rambler, okay? Now you're saying, why Red Rambler? Because I just sort, of, just sort of came to my mind. If I trip and fall outside Red Rambler, what am I going to do, right? Well, you know, am I just going to lay there? Am I, am I going to wait for a snowplow? Am I going to wait for somebody with Ace Hardware to come out with a wheelbarrow to pick me up and haul me out? Am I going to wait for maybe Brenda Brooke to walk outside and give me a coffee while I lay there? I don't know. No, no, I'm going to get up, right? Spiritually, though, when we trip and fall, a lot of us, we're just like, just laying there like, I'm so embarrassed. I messed up. I made a mistake. I'll just lay here and act like it never happened. That just doesn't make sense. But we do that with our relationship with God. So first thing, our journey requires determination. If you fall down, get up. If you're going in the wrong direction, turn around. Here's the second observation real quick. The wrong path always leads to destruction. Wrong path always leads to destruction. God wants to know, wants to know why these people are choosing to stay on the path. He's like, why are you doing this? Why are you continuing in the wrong direction? It's the self-destructive path. Psalm chapter 1 verse 6 says this, For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. God points out that instead of being determined to get up and go in the right direction, we're content with just staying down or going the wrong direction. And, and he says, you just don't care, do you? you you're choosing a self-destructive lifestyle. It's like, you don't care. You have a choice to turn around. And God says in verse 5 that people would rather just cling to their lies. What lies? Well, maybe I've fallen. That means I'm a failure. That's a lie. Just because we mess up does not label you now or define you now as a failure. You just failed. But sometimes we believe that lie thinking, well, I'm a failure, so I should just stay here. I'm already here. There's no reason to get up and change my life. There's no reason to turn around and go in the other direction. That's a lie. And sometimes we cling to those lies is what God says. Now, the worst part is that no one seems to care that their self-destruction is what Scripture says here. No one seems to care that cheating is bad. You know, we'd all ask this question. Is cheating right or wrong? We'd say, it's wrong. Is lying right or wrong? We'd say, wrong. But how many of us cheat? How many of us lie? How many of us, sometimes we do these things, well, it was just a little, so it really doesn't matter. It's okay. I, mean, I don't care about it, it's, you know. But it's like, God's like, you're choosing self-destructive paths. And it's like, you, you just don't care. You don't even feel bad. You're like a, a horse galloping into battle. It's like, let's go. I don't care. That's the second observation. Here's the thing. God sees it. He's listening. He's observing all this. He's seeing what we do. And he's not some distant trip far away. Like, well, God's gone. So it's okay for me to, to act this way or be this way. And God's like, I'm, I'm, I'm watching you. <laughs> this isn't good. 
Here's the third observation. And sort of for me, it was a kicker. God says that even the birds know which direction to go. They return at the proper time. Thus the hummingbird immigration story, right? But here's the thing. My point is, even a bird knows which direction to go. I want you to think about that for a second. If you're struggling with it, let me help you a little bit more. Scripture is very clear. If you fall down, get up. If you go in the wrong direction, turn around. Animals, birds have enough understanding to do that. Are you smarter than a bird or an animal? The answer to that I'm going to help you out now is yes. I'll show you in Scripture in a second. Uh, I was uh, hiking this past week, and I was on a trail. About 20 yards maybe in front of me, um, a coyote popped up in front of me on my trail. Now, I'm hiking by myself. I got my hiking stick. And so instead of pulling out my camera and saying, oh, cool, coyote, I was like picking up a rock, thinking just in case, right, the heart's beating a little better. But then I thought, well, it's, it's a coyote. It's not going to come after me. It wants something smaller. So, you know, I just tap stick and boom, it took off running, right? Now, what if I tap my stick and the coyote falls down its laser? It's like, oh, oh, I might as well just lay here and let that human step on me. Does an animal going to do that? Oh, no, man, that thing is scattering feet, boom. And it finally did. I mean, it took off and it stepped up on a rock and I took a picture of it looking at me from up there. That was a much better picture. But even an animal knows if it would fall down or it's going the wrong direction to get up and go, right? Now, when God created the earth, think about this. He created the sun and moon stars. He created water. He created vegetation. He created mountains. He created all this beautiful scenery and all this great stuff. And he said, it's so good. He created animals and birds and insects and fish. And he said, it is good. And then God said this. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. This is God speaking. They, that's us, will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. That's our role. God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God looked over all he made and said, man, this is really good. See, you and I were created above the animals, above the birds. If the bird knows I'm flying the wrong direction, I better turn around. Even if a bird knows that, should we not know better as well? Created in God's image, above any animal with instinct, as God's precious creation, we understand when we make a mistake. We get it. We know it. It's like the Holy Spirit inside us convicts us and even says, that's wrong. And we know better. We know when we're having a rough day. We know when things aren't going right. We know when we've taken a wrong path. We recognize it. We're smarter than the animals. We're smarter than the birds. And we need to choose in those moments to turn back around or get back up. On our journey, what I'm trying to tell you is, church, on our journey, you are capable of getting back up. You are capable of going in the right direction. You're better than that. So don't listen to the lies of the enemy as you are spiritually journeying along following Jesus like, I've messed up, I can't get things right. I'm down, I might as well just stay down. That's a lie. You are very capable, you're created to be able to pursue Jesus. Years ago, I received an email from a, a young person who's in the military. And they said this to me, they said, I don't really know how to start because I've never been good at asking for help. Since getting to my place of deployment, I pretty much lost my way. I don't go to church. 
and I haven't listened to one of the podcast sermons in a while. I tried talking to the chaplain once, but it was absolutely no help. I didn't know who else to turn to, and I figured that maybe I could talk to you. I've pretty much been in a downward spiral for a while. I don't know what else to say for now. Thank you. That person who emailed, they get it. They get it. They knew that they were on a path that was going the wrong direction. And they, they realized they had sort of fallen or they, they needed help getting back up and get going again. And that message is not unusual. Every day, I'm going to guarantee, every day you could probably run into somebody that's just like that. They, they've fallen spiritually. They're maybe going in the wrong direction. And you have that opportunity just to listen and hear their story. And they'll share it with you. And who knows, maybe that person is you. Maybe you were in here this morning and you've been going the wrong direction. You know your journey with Jesus isn't where it should be. You're lagging behind. You've been going the wrong way. Or maybe you've stumbled. You've messed up. You've made some mistakes. It's like, that's embarrassing. I can't believe I did this. Everybody in my school makes fun of me because they know I'm a Christian, but I did this. Or everybody at work knows I'm a Christian, but I'm acting this way. And it's like, I've fallen. Maybe that's you this morning. The question is, Will we be like the migrating birds and be determined enough to, to get up and go in the right direction? Or are we going to stay where we're at? Regardless of where you are, there is a way in which God wants you to go. There is a destination, a direction that pleases God. Getting there is not always easy. It'll take determination. It'll take grit and resolve on your part and my part to move in that right direction. Despite what comes our way, be determined. Get up, go in the right direction. You know, one thing about Scripture is, uh, is that we know why, we don't know why somebody falls here. You know, we see that God said, well, they're galloping like a, a horse into battle. So some people, maybe the reason they fell or went the wrong direction is because, like, again, they choose to go after sin. But sometimes, unintentionally, we find ourselves lost or we find ourselves have fallen. And, and Scripture doesn't exactly say what happened here. I, I know this for me, uh, moments when I have fallen or gone in the wrong direction, just like recently in this past week, is because I was not paying attention to where I was going. If I was, I'm, on a, I'm on a hike and, I, and I'm going, I'm not paying attention, I trip over a rock. Or I'm driving down the road and I don't have my GPS on and I miss, I miss a route. Or in a, for a moment, took place this past week as I was hiking. I'm going down a path. Next thing I realize, I'm thinking, this doesn't look right. I pull out my, my phone. It's got an app for all trails. And it's like, okay, here's my trail. I was off. Well, first of all, I was off, offline. There's no reception out there, right? So it's like, hmm, okay. Uh, of course, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Oh, wait, I downloaded, I saved it so I could pull it up and I could see my trail was about 20 yards off this direction. So I was able to get back on. Now, here's the cool thing about this. Because I had downloaded, we wonder why you memorize scripture, okay? You're downloading God's word. Because I had something downloaded into my phone because I couldn't access know my right direction in the moment, I was able to go to something that I had downloaded so that it could help me get back on track. There's a reason why we, we read God's word and memorize God's word. So that in those moments when it's like, I don't have anybody to talk to. Wait, I remember what God has told me. In his word, right? So in those moments, again, back on track. But here's the thing. When I'm distracted, when, when I've, I have my attention pulled multiple ways, that is usually when I get myself in trouble. 
Now, I've been reading this book. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Comer. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Comer. Now, it's interesting. He shares a few things about living this hurried life. And here's the thing, church, listen. When you are hurried, when you are busy, it affects your spiritual growth. We're in such a hurry. We are so busy. We become distracted by what really matters. Often when, I, when we're hiking with my family, I'll tell them, I say, hey, enjoy the view. I know it's all about getting to the top, right? We want to get to our destination. We want to get to the end of the trail. And that's part of our journey right now. But here's the thing. Until we get there, enjoy the journey. You're going to miss something along the way. Pause every now and then just like, what am I thankful for today? Just pause and just think about that. Enjoy the journey. It's worth viewing. Corey Ten Boom once said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll just make you busy. Everybody's busy, right? We're all in a hurry, right? But here's the thing. You can't be in a hurry in your relationship with God. There's a reason why we say, hey, how was your sprint with God? We don't do that, do we? We say, hey, how's your walk with God? It's a walk. It's not a sprint with God. And I can be so easily distracted. That's what often causes me to trip or fall because I'm, I'm in a hurry or I'm busy. I'm trying to multitask, whatever it may be. And here's, some, here's part, of the reason, excuse me, part of the reason. Something big happened in the year 2007. Everybody's thinking, 2007, 2007. Some of you weren't even born, right? 2007. Here's what happened in 2007. This thing was released in 2007. This, this thing right here, which is so full of a lot of great information, but also a major distraction at oftentimes in my own life. Here, I was thinking about this. The iPhone didn't even exist before my kids were born. That's weird to think. So I was like, wow, that one's even around. Oh, you know, I, study found that the average user of an iPhone will touch their phone over 2,600 times a day. 2,600 times. That's the average iPhone user, okay? That was a study done, which means about two and a half hours of your day is spent holding that little thing, touching that little thing, okay? Guilty, right? Okay? Philip Zimbardi did research on the demise of guys. Guys, listen very carefully to this. Concluded that the average guy will spend 10,000 hours playing video games before they reach the age of 21. 10,000 hours hours. Think about that. You can become an expert in a lot of different things. You can develop your own personal skills in a lot of different areas. You can get a couple of degrees in, in, in education in 10,000 hours, right? Or you can get the level four of Call of Duty. Okay, good job. All right, 10,000 hours, okay? Charles, too, did some calculation. You might be laughing because there's probably no level four, right? I don't know what it is. Okay. Or you're a loser because you only got the four. I don't know which one it is, okay? Charles, too, did some calculation. He shared that the, American, the average American will read 200 to 400 words a minute, okay? At that speed, 200 to 400, either one, you're going to be able to read 200 books in a year. 200 books in a year. That means it'll take you about 400, and I'm going to bring that back up, 417 hours to read 200 books. That's basically an hour a day over the next year. You could read 200 books. Or what we find out in studies is that the average American is on social media 705 hours or 2,737 hours of TV, okay? And I'm sure those, those numbers are all over the place, but again, um, this isn't a message against technology, okay? 
I just want to show you there are certain things that are distracting me, can be distracting you. And here's the thing. If my attention span is so short because of all this kind of stuff, how can I focus on the peace of God? How can I have peace of mind? When I've got all these things going on, there's no way my spiritual journey is going to be moving forward and progressing forward with in the way maybe it should when my soul is being torn apart by all these other things going after me. So there's another book called The Time Cure. And they said there are certain symptoms of being in a hurry. So me at this point in time, I'm sitting there going, okay, yeah, I'm a little busy at times, but am I really in a hurry? Come on. Rack stomp in a hurry? So there was a little test. So I'm looking at it. I say, okay, question number one. Are you a person that counts the cars in front of you and you either get in that lane or one that leads to the one that's going to the fastest? Uh, yep. Check. Next question. Moving from one checkout line to another because it looks shorter or faster? Check. Two. Two for two. Okay. Multitasking to the point of forgetting one of the tasks. Okay, I'm done taking the test. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at this going, my symptoms are that of one who is in a hurry. Here's the point. John Comer says, the hurried life is a toxic life to your spirituality. I'll put the quote up on the screen. He said this, if you're in a hurry, you don't have time for relationships. Love takes time. Hurry doesn't have it. If you're in a hurry, it kills joy, gratitude, and appreciation. People in a rush don't have time to enter the goodness of the moment. It kills wisdom. Wisdom is born in the quiet and the slow. Now, again, why am I sharing this? Let's face the church. We have limitations. We can only do so much. We can't do everything at one moment. So we live these hurried moments. And you know what happens when I'm living these hurried moments? I miss the direction I'm supposed to go. Or I stumble and fall because I didn't see what was coming and I tripped. My hurriedness, my business is something that causes me to trip or go the wrong direction. God wants you and I to go the right direction. He doesn't want us to give up. And maybe it's hard for you to believe because sometimes you might be thinking, sometimes I feel like God's the one pushing me down. I've been living for Jesus. I've been on this journey and I've been doing all these things and I still trip and fall. I still have bad things happen to me. I feel like maybe God's pushing me. Maybe that's part of it. Daniel chapter 3. You can turn your there if you want. I'm going to just reference it in the next few minutes. One of my favorite passages, King Nebuchadnezzar builds this huge gold statue, 90 feet tall, right? And then he basically commands everybody in the nation, I want you to come in. And all his advisors like, King, this is great. We got this idea here. You know, everybody should be bowing to you. Yeah, I'm going to strike up the orchestra, every all musical instrument. And when the music plays, everybody's going to bow to the statue. If you bow to the statue, you're bowing to the king. You're admitting he is God, right? So these, uh, these administrators are like, hey, we got an idea too. How about if somebody doesn't bow, they get thrown into a fiery furnace? Oh, that's a great idea. I like that idea. So they gather everybody in the nation together, and they're all at the statue. The music sounds, and everybody bows except three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three young men, they're like, we're not bowing to a golden statue or to you, King Nebuchadnezzar. You're not God. There's only one God, right? So Nebuchadnezzar finds out, because, of course, he's got his henchmen. They come up like, hey, we've got a couple guys in bow. 
Oh, who is it? Shadrach, Meshach. Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bring them over here. He brings them over. He gets all fired up. He says, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you did not bow when the music played? I'll tell you what. I'll strike up the band one more time, and when I do, I'll give you a shot, okay? You can bow. Otherwise, you're going into the fire furnace, and I know you don't want that. You guys love me. I love you. How about we all bow together, okay? You bow to me. All right, band ready. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Still like, hmm, not bowing, king. Oh, man, that made the king so mad. They said this, verse 16. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He'll rescue us from your power, your majesty, even if he doesn't. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the statue that you've set up. He was so furious when he said that, that he ordered the furnace to be heated up, it says, uh, seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered the strongest men. That's, okay, let's bound them up. So we're going to tie up these three young men who are like, okay, we're not bowing. We know if we're going to be thrown in the furnace. So be it. Our God will save us. If he doesn't save us, it doesn't matter. We trust God. They bind them up, and then they get these strong men. He's throwing me like, here, pick them up. And they, as the strong men get ready to throw them into the furnace, the fire is so hot, they die on the spot. They're like, and Shadrach and Meshach, they just get into the fire. And it's like, if the big men died outside the fire, the three guys are going to die inside the fire, right? But as we read, it says this, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and said, Hey, wait, wait, wait. Didn't we throw three guys in? I see four walking around, unbound. I, I, I said this wrong in the first service. I was distracted by my time. I was like, I gotta wrap this up. And I said it so wrong. They were unbound in the fire. I'll come back to that in a second. At that point in time, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and was willing to die rather than serve a created God. And he called them out of the fire. They came out of the fire. Not a hair was singed on their body. Gentlemen, you guys know when you start up the barbecue, there's always that moment for some of you in here that's like, like oh, lost some of those hairs. Check my face, okay, right? They did not have no singed hairs. They're in a fire that killed the strongest men outside the fire. They're in the fire. No singed hairs. They didn't even smell like smoke, but they came out unbound. Here's the thing. Why do we go through these rough times? I love it that these three young men, they were determined. They resolved. They had spiritual grit. They said, you know what? We're on a journey with God, and I know it's rough. We're doing all the right things, and we're still facing the fire. That's some of you. You're doing all the right things for God and you're still facing persecution or trouble or frustration. It's like, all I can say is this, stay at it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Did you see what happened when they were in the fire? Christ was walking with them, the fourth one. It's called a theophany. It's when God often showed up in, in, in physical form. When Christ was there in the Old Testament, there was one of those moments. And did you see what happened to the bindings of their ribs? The fire took, a, took away the bindings. The, the, the painful stuff that we don't like, the, the trials, the tribulations we go through, sometimes those are the things that God removes in the midst of the fire. And we're unbound, we're spiritually free. They come out. And again, let me reference back to what they said. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve 
is able to save us. Never forget the God who walks with you. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods. Even if, even if. I understand that there's a God on my side and there's a God on your side. I understand that there are times in our lives when we trip and we fall or we go the wrong direction. Sometimes we intentionally do it. Sometimes we're distracted. Sometimes we're going in the right direction and we're doing everything right and we still trip and fall or we still go get lost. And it's so frustrating, right? On your journey. Don't give up. Spiritual determination and grit, keep it. Paul said this, the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 1.12, he goes, this is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it. Wait, wait, he's a Christian man. He got thrown in prison because he's a Christian. It's like, he should give up on God, right? But he said this, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I'm sure that he's able to guard that day and to have entrusted him. It's like, he's like, I know who I trust. Do you know who you trust? Will you continue on your journey? Uh, worship team, would you come forward, please? It, probably, I don't know how many years ago, 10, 12 years ago, uh, Carter, I think, was 13. We were going to Tennessee for a baseball tournament. And um, all I remember was, in that, in that moment when we were down there, something unique happened. Um, rewind a few years uh, our older son, Colin, had gone through multiple surgeries in, in which his dream was to play college baseball. He wanted to be a baseball player. But, you know, like multiple surgeries and multiple fractures kept slowing him down and frustrating him. And it was so, so like, I think as a parent, I was angry. Again, you know, when your kids are hurt, it's like, come on, please. Um, but as we're down there for this baseball tournament, Colin really wanted to buy a baseball bat. And we're like, no, just wait, just wait. He's going to buy it online. Just just wait, you know, till we get back and um, you can look at it. So we're down there. And we had some time to kill in between Carter's games. So it's like, hey, there's a Dick Sporting Goods. So we found it on, on, our local, on our GPS. We started to head that way, but we came across a different Dick Sporting Goods before we got to the other one. So we went to that one. So we get in there, and I remember we're looking at all the baseball stuff, Colin's finding a bat. And then this young man, probably just early 20s, college age, maybe just fresh out of college, uh, comes walking up to Colin and goes, hey, we looking for a bat? He's like, yeah. Need some help? Sure, you know, and they're, they're talking. And he looks at Colin's leg, and he saw these, this major scar along the side of his leg. He's like, wow. Knee surgery? Yeah. Yeah, I have one too. And he, he starts sharing with them that they had similar knee surgeries. And, and he's like, hey, you know what? I, I, they have about the same age for me too. And uh, all I wanted to do is play baseball. But I never gave up. And, and matter of fact, our team, I, I, stayed, I stayed with it. In my senior year, we won a state championship in my high school and had an opportunity to play some more after that for a little bit. And, and he looked at Colin and he was like, hey man, don't give up. Don't give up. And, uh, and he walked away. And it was so weird because it's like, one, we weren't going to go to that store. Two, he was going to buy his bat online. But somehow we ended up at that store. And it just so happened to have a young man uh, that had the same kind of injury, the same kind of dream that just came in and just spoke truth into Colin's life. And it was in that moment, it was sort of like, God knows. See, see, God knows where you're at on your journey. He knows when somebody needs to step into your life and speak truth to you. 
He knows when you might be the person to speak truth into another person's life. All of you in here, you're on different places in your journey life. Some of you have maybe fallen down. Some of you are going the wrong direction. Some of you have maybe sat down on it. You didn't fall down. You just sort of sat down. You're like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good for now. I don't want to take another step forward. I don't know if this God thing is the right direction. And there's going to be somebody that's going to come along and they're going to remind you, hey, get up. Hey, come on, walk with me. Hey, you're going in the wrong direction. That might be uh, God working through somebody to speak to you. You might hear it in his word. You might hear it in a song we sing. But I believe God wants you to get up, church. I believe God wants you to go in the right direction. Don't give up. Be determined. And if God lays it upon your heart to speak truth into another Christian brother or sister that's struggling, it's like you don't have to give them a long story. Or maybe all you got to do is go up to them and say, you're going to be okay. Keep going. Don't give up. And maybe it's something as simple as that. But my word to you, church, is this. Don't give up. We live in a culture right now that wants you to give up, that wants you to quit, to choose some other option. Don't. Instead, keep the journey going. Keep pursuing Christ. Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. You know exactly where we're at on our journey. And sometimes we fall, we go in the wrong direction, and... And you said it so well in, in, through Jeremiah that, you know, we're not a bird. We're not an animal. You, you created us in a higher position than that. We know better. We know we need to get up. We know we need to go in the right direction. And sometimes it's hard. Maybe we're distracted. Maybe we just need to slow down. Maybe we've been intentionally making some bad choices. We just need to stop. Maybe we're just tired. We don't want to take another step. We just need to be refreshed and be reminded. Maybe we need to have another person journey with us, grab our hand and say, hey, walk with me. God, wherever we're at right now in our journey, help us, Lord, to not give up. Help us to be determined. Help us to have resolve and grit and, and, and the desire to say, I want to keep going. Even when it's hard, help us to trust you. God, maybe it just starts with having just a thankful heart for all the things that you've blessed us with. And we realize we actually have it pretty good. Maybe that's what spurs us on to the next step. God, I know for me on my journeys, when I look out and I see what I see, I'm so thankful. It encourages me to keep going. God, I pray for this church. Lord, fill their hearts with gratitude right now. Fill their hearts with encouragement. If there's somebody in this room right now that just has fallen down, Lord, speak to them. Tell them, Lord. Remind them they're not a failure because they're down. Lord, reach out to them. Pick them up. And there's somebody in this room this morning going the wrong direction. Lord, speak to them right now. They know. Remind them, Lord that it's okay. Help them turn around. Help us to repent, get it right, get back going. And God, if there's somebody in this room right now that's just sort of sitting there and saying, I don't know if I can go any further. I'm tired. God, would you give them rest. Give them the strength to get back up. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, you said. We're coming to you. 
Give us the rest we need and the strength to get back up. Thank you, God. We want to worship you now in song. Hear our words. In thy name we pray. Amen.